Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, from the arts to sports, and from business to history, and everything in between, including your stories. Send them to ouramericanstories.com. They're some of our favorites. And it's time for our On Leadership series, where we hear from coaches, leaders in the military, leaders in business, and leaders in communities across this great country. And this edition is with Bill Koch, whose company Oxbow Carbon has over 1,200 employees and $4 billion in annual revenue. Bill has also led America to a victory in the world's premier sailing competition, the America's Cup, and did it on his first try. But today he brings us some formational leadership stories from his younger days starting at his high school 
Culver Academy. At Culver, you know, my first year, I, you know, I got beat up a lot and rassed a lot. Uh, and when I was at Culver, some of the advisors told me that I couldn't get into MIT. <laughs> and then when I got into MIT, I said, well, you know, you're at the bottom of the class. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't think you'll make it. <laughs> and then I found out that if I wanted to do well, uh, mainly to impress my father, as well as mainly to develop my own skills and my own accomplishments, so I just would work very, very hard. Uh, you know, if I had to go to the bathroom, I'd take a, a book with me. <laughs> so I worked really hard. And then I graduated with top honors and then got my doctorate's degree from it. And I've always been, seemed to be told that I can't do something. <laughs> you know, being harassed and told I was dumb, an idiot, some other things. So that has become a big challenge for me. I mean, it, it can have two effects. Either you stay a nerd the rest of your life or an idiot the rest of your life, or you uh, take advantage of it. In fact, you know, I probably have a little OCD. <laughs> and I looked at it and said, well, that could either kill me or I could use it to an advantage. So I used it to work very hard. <laughs> and surprisingly, I got more honors than all my brothers put together. <laughs> we just made a couple of them pissed. But I um, wanted to play basketball. I thought the sport was terrific. But in our freshman year, the varsity only won one game. But we as freshmen couldn't play on the varsity in those days. Now they can, and then you couldn't. And we were a bunch of nerds, and MIT went out and got this one coach from Methuen High School. It was a northern mill town that was dying in northern Massachusetts. And he had the longest winning record of any high school in the country. So MIT recruited him. Then when we became sophomores and were playing on the varsity, we also won only one game. And the uh, coach, you know, took a while to learn out the MIT system, to <laughs> learn what nerds we are <laughs> and what, uh, how clumsy and awkward we were. So I wanted to play more on the varsity, so I went up and went to a summer camp that he had so I could practice all summer. And also that avoided me going out and working on the ranch. <laughs> and I could possibly chase girls, <laughs> even though it was in, in Methuen. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he, he told me he had a, a new plan and he came up with a new play. But he came up with only one play because he said we weren't smart enough to learn more than one. <laughs> These nerds from MIT. And he was also uh, afraid that if, if uh, we all had different plays, we'd get too confused. And then he just drilled us over and over and over in that same play so we could do it in our sleep. So it was you know, habitual. Then he started giving us variations off the play, which was great. But the most powerful thing he did was that he put people in the right spots to minimize their weakness and maximize their strengths. 
and he defined jobs. You know, and he said, okay, your, your job is to bring up the ball and dribble it, and dribble it up and set up a play. And then your job is to get rebounds and block shots and put up pivots. And then he said to another guy, all right, your job is to go after the best shooter on the other side <laughs> and rough him up a little bit. But he made it very succinct. Well, anyway, in our junior year, we won over half our games, our senior year. We had the longest winning streak in the country and the least points scored against us. And, and so I looked at that and said, that's a, you know, and I sat on the damn bench, <laughs> but it was terrific. I, I learned it because that was one of the best lessons I made, ever learned at MIT. How important teamwork is and focus. And well, the guy also told us, you guys are winners. You know, if you think you're gonna lose, you will lose. You know, if you think you're going to win, at least you have a 50-50 chance of winning. And I said, that's terrific, you know? And he said, you work all work together. I mean, it's remarkable because not one of us could have even joined, got in any other college. In fact, we probably wouldn't even made intramural teams. <laughs> <laughs> and, and relying upon your teammates, you know? and not be a star. I think uh, Ren Arbuck said, any of you guys on the pro team, you can, if you want to be a superstar, any one of you can score, score 30 points a night. But if you do, we're going to lose. And instead, we got to work as a team. And if we win, then we're all heroes. And that's so true. And Red Auerbach is one of my heroes, one of my dad's heroes. My dad was my coach. I was a point guard on an all-state team. And my goodness, learned a lot of these lessons about knowing your job, being accountable to the job, too. If your job's to rebound and block out that guy, rebound and block out that guy. And your teammates are depending on you. And what lessons learned? Bill Koch's story, his leadership story, and a coach's story, and the impact that man had on those boys who turned into men, here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we return to our American stories. Up next, a story about a man who had an extraordinary impact on American music, writing bluegrass and gospel standards such as I'll Fly Away and Turn Your Radio On. Here's our own Monty Montgomery with a story. Albert E. Brumley was born on October 29, 1905. Here's his granddaughters, Betsy and Elaine, to tell the rest of the story. Grandpa grew up in a little town in Oklahoma. He was born near Spiro, Oklahoma, close to Rock Island, Oklahoma. He grew up really poor. His family were sharecroppers, and they sharecropped cotton. 
you know, if you've ever been picked cotton, if you've ever done that, it's terrible. It's awful. It hurts. I mean, because I remember doing it as a school experiment when I was exactly. a kid. I don't know why they had us do that. <laughs> you know, the pricks and from the thorns or whatever those little sticky things are. But that was his childhood. But it was musical because his dad played instruments and uh, taught him how to love music. And he played the piano. And we really hated picking cotton. <laughs> Didn't like the life, which is one of the reasons he decided to. Uh, move toward the music in Hartford, Arkansas. I've heard two different stories. The one that I grew up hearing was he walked over from Spyro and his home farm to Hartford with, you know, it varies, but around $2.50 or so. Not much money in his pocket at all. Um, Hartford is like actually 28 miles from, mm-hmm. from Spyro, so the fact that he walked 28 miles to go to school, to me, it shows some mighty determination. Which I think when he knocked on Ian Bartlett's door and told him he wanted to learn music is what really sold Ian Bartlett on the fact that this guy had something, which is why Ian Bartlett allowed him to sleep on his couch instead of pay tuition. So he kind of sponsored him in a way. Mm -hmm. And of course, the repayment was that he would have to come work for him after he taught him, you know, how how to write music to pay off the tuition debt. But who was E.M.? So Ian Bartlett was a songwriter. Um, He learned how to write songs from the Stamps Baxter Company and decided to go out on his own. And he began the Hartford Institute in Hartford, Arkansas. And Ian did a lot of things at that music school. He was a publisher as Mm -hmm. well as teaching music. Music he would teach at temporary singing schools set up in small communities across the country for the purpose of educating poor rural Americans on the basics of music. And tuition was paid for by buying EM's songbooks. That's how, like, Grandpa made money, and all everyone that worked for the Hartford Music Institute made money was by going to sell these songbooks mm-hmm. so people would attend school. Mm-hmm. And as you got more popular and your songs became more popular, you were assigned a page in those songbooks. And as we know, Grandpa was pretty prolific when he was writing his music, and EM taught him the basics of how to do it. But the talent, of course, came from Grandpa. He wrote a lot of songs in those convention books. He was one of the, I guess I'm going to use the words, most famous mm-hmm. contributors to these convention song books. I mean, if you want a list of songs, I mean, there's I'll Fly Away, I'll Meet You in the Morning, If We Never Meet Again, Turn Your Radio On, Ring Strangers to Me. Did I say Jesus Hold My Hand? No. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. But Grandpa wrote I'll Fly Away over a, a period of time. It wasn't something he just sat down and did. And one of the things that's pretty unique about Grandpa, I'll just throw this in here, uh, was he wrote the notes... Uh, the, of the music along with the words. Not many people these days, there are so many co-writers. Well, and he wrote, a, he wrote them right to left. Right to left, exactly, which is uh, t- totally... <laughs> it's just crazy to think about. Yeah, but that's how he saw it. That's how it worked for him. And he was very particular about the message in the song, and he wanted specific words. And for I'll Fly Away, I mean, I don't know if he knew this or not, because we never discussed it, but it meant a lot to him with that song, I think. And it took him a while, four years to compose it and get it the words right and he would get stuck on one phrase or one word and if it didn't suit what his vision or meaning for the song was because what he wanted to do is paint a story for people so they could see it in their mind and connect to it and feel it and then I guess in some way apply it to their life to help offer them hope and maybe purpose uplift them a little bit uh, in their day-to-day lives because, you know, people didn't have the things, the luxuries of life. They looked uh, to each other, Mm -hmm. the community, and music as um, a connection. 
And so uh, he, that was the beginning of Off Wild Way in the years. He started that after he was with Ian Bartlett, right? Yeah, I was like 28 or 29. 29. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, the thing is, Grandpa always called that a little ditty. Mm-hmm. He never really, <laughs> he it did. was never anything spectacular to him. And, and Grandma is actually the one who made him send it in. Because part of his deal with Ian Bartlett was that he had to send a song in a month because he was had a works for a higher contract, which means part of his contract was one song per month so it could be submitted to a songbook. And um, so he was looking for a song to s- submit one month, and Grandma was like, why don't you s- submit this one? Because he never really thought, he just called it, he always referred to it as a little ditty. It was never anything huge to him. But he still was so particular about oh, it. Oh, he's particular about everything he did. That's true, but he, he was very particular about that So uh, but Grandpa, I do remember what Grandma, they always said Grandma, I don't know if the word forced is correct, but she sure <laughs> urged him to get that song out there for people to hear because she liked it. And yeah. as we know, a everybody of, likes it. A couple of other people seem to like it. I think because it's easy and simple and happy and it just, and it's hopeful and it's easy to remember. You know, Grandpa always wrote... And he would say that if you can't come out singing the song, then it's not good enough. Because if you, you have to be something that's memorable, something that people will remember. And another thing Grandpa used to say was that never you get too far from the people, and then you'll never be too far from the mainstream. Because everything is about people. Mm-hmm. If you, It doesn't matter what you do, whether you write a song, whether you sew clothes, it doesn't matter what, what you do. If, if people will not accept it and make that part of their lives, then it doesn't matter how good it is. So he always kept that in mind. It's like, will people sing it? Does it connect to people? Is this going to be something that they will remember? And I think I'll Fly Away is a very good example of that. I mean, what, 1976, we got, we won an award for I'll Fly Away being the most recorded song in history, gospel song in history at the time. And it was 726 times. And that means, when we say recorded, we mean licenses. And that was 1976. So here we, what, 30, 45 years later, and we're over 12,000 licenses. And when he first wrote it, it took a few years for it to become even mm-hmm. popular. And it was even recorded, but not until the Chuckwagon Gang recorded their recording. And it just somehow connected with people. Plus, things in the industry were changing from uh, convention singing and the things he did to more professional group performances. But uh, they... Uh, made a recording of that and it just really took off and that's when the uh, awareness of the song went beyond convention singing and church singing mm-hmm. it, it was because the chuck wagon gang is not necessarily only christian music they sing all kinds of music and they've been around for almost as long as we have mm-hmm. and are in the second and third generation of their singing and so there's a connection there that's lasted as well and that started the road and grandpa was such a smart man he recognized the shift in the industry and began to do more of the publishing and that's when he was moving toward his own publishing company and bought hartford and did all these other things and so off Fly away was obviously a part of that it's become part of the fabric of america and the world even i mean the smithsonian has named grandpa the greatest american they did use this they said the greatest white songwriter before world war ii which I don't know why they made extinction, but they did. And of course, I'll fly away is now in the Library of Congress as well, along with Rank Strangers. So, you know, I don't know if there's not many songwriters who have two songs in the Library of Congress. And you've been listening to the story of Albert E. Brumley as told by his granddaughters, Elaine and Betsy. And his ditties, indeed, are masterpieces. And staying close to the people 
making sure that it's a memorable melody. Well, we learned that about Irving Berlin, too. Stay close to the people, make sure they can hum it, and then sing it after hearing it once. By the way, our Irving Berlin piece is beautiful, and you can go to ouramericanstories.com and listen to it. In so many ways, though, these men came from different places, one from New York City, one from Oklahoma and Arkansas. Their stories are the same American story. When we come back, more of Albert E. Brumley's story, a uniquely American story, and a great music and art story, and so much more here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash OAS. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash OAS. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And we return to Our American Stories and our story on Albert E. Brumley, the man who wrote many classic American bluegrass and gospel standards such as I'll Fly Away and Turn Your Radio On. When we last left off, Albert had got his start in music at the Hartford Music Company after walking there with just $2 in his pocket. And Albert would soon form his own company. Here again are his granddaughters Elaine and Betsy with his story. So Grandpa started uh, um, at what he called Albert E. Brumley and Sons, his own publishing company in 1944. And he started writing for himself, but he was also writing for Stamps Baxter and for Hartford still at the time. But he went back and purchased all of Hartford so he could get all of his songs back, and that ended up in 1948 when we got all of that. Started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we got 100%, because it was different people had owned portions of it, so he bought each percentage from each person to own 100% of Hartford. And because of his relationships with people, we printed books for literally everybody. I mean, we printed songbooks for the Opry, we printed songbooks for the Louisiana Hayride, we printed songbooks for the Renfro Valley, Ozark Jubilee, Bob Wills. The groups. All the, the groups. Group. Charlie Humbard. We printed songbooks for everybody. So over these years that we've had this, we've sold just our own books that we've made, plus our own books we made for ourselves and sold, which we used to sell in the National Enquirer of all things. We did, we sold millions of them, and we've sold them all over the world. But we've sold over 40 million songbooks, and we've made over 100 million songbooks. Because Grandpa was genius, the man, he was smart. So I like to say he invented iTunes, that's just my own thing. But that's because Grandpa got, he made a contract with all those publishers around, and everybody got a list of, song, of all the songs that they owned. And he would send them to people like the Opry, the Louisiana Hayride, all those folks, pick your favorite 150 songs, send me a list, We'll put them in a songbook, put your name on it, and you can sell it. Which is why we sold so many songs. We made so many songbooks because everybody would pick different songs that so would personalize. They would have their playlist of songs. We'd make it in a book, and then they they would sell it with their name on the front, on the cover. It was a brilliant shift over in the industry to be able to do that. Yeah. And on the more personal side of this that I love, I love the songs and stuff, but you know, Grandpa was so artistic in so many ways. He helped create the illustrations on the covers of the book. So the evidence of his folksy 
image, the way he was in real life, was presented on the covers of these books with little log cabins and pine trees, which I love, and little church buildings. So he was such a hands-on person. He had, from the beginning to end, he had an idea. And then uh, in the later days, in the 60s and 70s, Dad and Bill, his older brother Bill, were the only ones really left at the company, and they contributed and participated in the uh, creation and putting together these books, which is where we learned how to staple and stitch books. Because uh, <laughs> we did do that on site for a long time. And I've packed so many books, but you know, that was just part of the business. That's what we did in the middle of nowhere. It was enough to where we even have a post office. There's like 10 people in Powell, Missouri, which is where Grandpa and Grandma's house is, and across the road is the business he built, and a post office. And But there used to be a thriving community there as well, but the post office still exists because we shipped from that rural area all over the country. One of the things that I was always impressed with was how he lays the books out. He mm. had a specific way of laying them out with the numbers correlating, like he loved the number 100. He put his song on there a lot of times. That's because he, that's what his songbook was, at, when he had the convention style books, that was his number. <laughs> that was number uh-huh. one. Number 100 I mean uh-huh so he k- kept that connection and put him in those new books and I think that kind of stuff is pretty cool you know the way he continued that tradition really mm-hmm. and and it meant something to him so he named his kids after song people and he kept the traditions of why gave him his beginnings and mm-hmm. the music it, it meant a lot to him I think because of his behavior yeah. so it showed it and over the years because of his work Albert developed long-lasting friendships with countless well-known musicians who would sometimes come over for dinner at his house in Powell, Missouri, where Elaine and Betsy would meet them. I didn't know this was anything. Mm -mm. I didn't know about fame or celebrity. I didn't know they were famous people from Nashville. I I didn't know anything but what, what Dad and Grandpa did and uh, what was normal life. And the fact that those people came to the house, they were just friends. We just sat around the table mm-hmm. and ate. It was mm-hmm. not, I mean. It's all about food. I, I mean, <laughs> I have a memory, oh, it's totally about food. Mm-hmm. But you know, I have a memory of sitting on Ernest Tubbs' lap and he had wearing his, his, um, his cowboy hat mm-hmm. and he ate my green beans because I hate green beans. But I would get in trouble if I couldn't eat green beans, but he, would, he ate my green beans so I would get in trouble. I mean, I have that memory, but to me, that was nothing. It was like, oh, man, I got somebody to eat my green beans. That's mm-hmm. all I cared about, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Everybody came to the house. It never even occurred to me that they were famous, mm-hmm. not even one time. And we can't mm-hmm. not talk about the Hill and Hollow. Hollow. Yeah. We had what was called the Hill and Hollow Folk Festival, where we had local arts and crafts and uh, local music. And it was focused more on the, the gospel aspect on Sundays and have gospel formats and there'd be, you know, we, there'd be a church service locally. And as time moved on, they decided to add in bluegrass and bring in some of those people that were famous that we didn't know were famous to sing on Saturday nights. He'd bring in the Opry stars like Ernest Tubb and Grandpa Jones, Jones and Oz- Minnie Pearl, oh, the Osmond. Oz- all of everybody came. I mean, if you, you can't not name a, an Opry star that wasn't in Powell on the stage. And you had dinner with them because that's just what, that's you, did. what you did. You made some homemade ice cream, had a conversation, picked a little, they went on stage and then you did it again. You know, you, you you jammed afterward or you ate more or whatever. Yeah, because they would, they would just show up. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I remember the buses coming mm-hmm. in and everything because mm-hmm. down behind the stage there's this low wire that goes to the barn. You have to hold, you have to get in the pickup truck and hold up the wire so the buses can go under. Mm-hmm. I love, I, mean, I used to, that was my favorite part to see the wire. Who's going to get stuck on the wire? But like, you know, the Thrasher Brothers got mm-hmm. stuck that one time. Mm-hmm. Blackwood Brothers, as far as the Gospels are concerned, everybody was there. Everybody came. 
and sang on that stage. I mean, what Marty Stewart was with um, Lester Flatt when he was like 17 mm-hmm. years old, mm-hmm. played on that stage. Yeah, Lester Flatt, Neural Scruggs, and Marty. Marty, and oh golly gee, I can't even think of them because they're just like there. But anybody back, George Lindsay came one time. Mm-hmm. I remember Goober showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was weird. But also industry people showed up. So it wasn't just the stars showing. It, everybody would say, I'm going to Brumley. Whether it be the Singer or the Hill and Hollow, they would always show up because it was such a good time. And uh, it was just whether they were from New York or, you know, 30 miles away, it meant something for people to gather at these events and connect mm-hmm. and get away and relax and enjoy. Well, and Grandpa was very particular, too. I mean, he did mm-hmm. not like to leave Pal. He didn't, I mean, Mm-mm. even to get awards and stuff, he'd be like, whatever. But I do remember the story when he went down to see Governor Jimmy Davis. The governor of Louisiana who wrote the song, You Are My Sunshine. And they were down there in the governor's mansion and um, he served fried chicken. And they were, everybody's all nervous. And Grandpa, was, Grandpa was just Grandpa. He had chicken leg, put his elbows up on the up on the table and just started eating. And everybody's like, oh, thank goodness. And then it, everything was fine then because everybody, all the nerves were gone, you know. Because Grandpa was just Grandpa. He was relaxed. He, he, he just, wasn't stressed about anything. No. And, and he didn't want the limelight either, Mm-mm. remember? He was either off behind the stage or sitting on some, he liked to sit on stairs. Yep. Sit on the or stairs squat. or squat on set off to the side to watch what was going on around. He would talk to anybody that came up, mm-hmm. but he never really went up on stage very often. Mm-hmm. Even at whatever event we were at, he was... He just preferred that relaxed, everything is okay, I'm eating my chicken leg with my elbows on the table kind Very of thing. Very laid back. Very laid back, yeah. And people loved that because they didn't have to put on a face. They could be themselves yeah. around him. That whole authentic self thing, you, you couldn't help it because that's just who, that's who he was. And you're listening to the granddaughters of Albert E. Brumley tell his life story And in a way, the granddaughters are telling their own because these stories are so intertwined in this remarkable American story and this remarkable American family. When we come back, more from the granddaughters. And by the way, if you've got grandkids, empower them to tell your family's story. Empower them early because, my goodness, to not know your family's story, for better or for worse, is a crime. When we come back, more of this remarkable American story, Albert E. Brumley's, here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. And we return to Our American Stories and the final segment of our story on American composer Albert E. Brumley, an also American entrepreneur, is told by his granddaughters Betsy and Elaine. In 1970, Albert would be inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Association Hall of Fame, becoming a charter member of that organization, which according to the granddaughters was something he really enjoyed going to. Let's continue with the story. Okay, so here's what happened. <laughs> so he, he goes, and Grandpa left Powell for like five reasons, and that was one of them. Grandpa, like Elaine was saying, no limelight, not his thing. He would sit in the back of the room, and Grandpa would hold a cup of coffee in the, by the bowl in his palm, and that's how he would drink. So he would lean up against the back wall. Very unassuming. You don't know who he is. He doesn't make a fuss. That's just how he spent most of his time. But this young songwriter had just got some award. I have no idea what it was. He came up and said, man, look what I just did, blah, blah, blah. And he was so excited about it. He said, dude, what's your name? He goes, I'm Albert Brumley. He goes, man, have you written anything I know? He said, I'll fly away. And the guy goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but Grandpa was fine. He just, you know, he just did his thing. He never made a fuss. And he ate weird stuff. He ate weird stuff and slept weird. And his he was an eccentric by today's standards, Mm -hmm. the way I remember him when I was really small. It was normal. Mm -hmm. But now when you talk about it, it's it's just humorous. It's funny. Because he did eat funny things and different things that what we normally eat, like buttermilk on Wheaties or tomato juice on Wheaties. Oh, and the treat that was in the, oh, 
God, yeah, he liked to slice a can of. It wasn't called spam then. Well, it, it, it may treat, have been, but this was treat. Yeah, oh. which is another kind of canned meat product. Mm-hmm. And it's a pork product that came in a tin can that had a key to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And he'd leave it open in the fridge and then go slice them off when he wanted it. Mm-hmm. I hated that smell. At 3 o'clock in the morning many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's tons of stories. And when I was little, before a lot of the other kids came along, I would go down with Grandma Brumley on Friday nights. And Grandpa would be in his room because he, lo- he had a room right off the kitchen where he lived on this couch. And I mean, he slept there, he ate there, he did everything there. But he would come out and he would stand because we weren't supposed to watch scary shows, but Grandma would let me watch something called Dimension 16. <laughs> and that was on the UHF channel, which, by the way, we had to run a wire from the house up to the top of the bluff behind the house to get the signal. And that's, that's right. another story um, to watch that. But he would come out and just stand there. He would never sit with us. But he would just stand there and watch it a few minutes and he mosey to the bathroom wherever he was going. And he would come back through and stand there for a few minutes. And you know, watch with us and go back to his couch. And that was just my Friday for a very long time. That's how I spent my Fridays, my nights with Grandma Brumley and the snacks and all the things. And did she I'd, make cinnamon toast for you? So, oh, and cocoa. We did yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and, and she let me sip her coffee, which was also a no-do. Mm-hmm. And uh, never did take up the smoking that Grandpa mm. did, though. <laughs> I never cared for that. He would smoke a lot or at least hold a lot of cigarettes. He would hold them while he was thinking, and they would burn down, and the ash would drop off, and there was a lot of cigarette burns on the table beside his couch where he laid them, and I have myself seen Grandma go up to him with an ashtray and tap the cigarette into the ashtray so it wouldn't drop it all over the floor or something, and it was kind of something he would go, oh yeah, and then just keep on, because his mind was focused on whatever whatever and sometimes he he had a lot of thoughts and he would write them down on ice cream sticks and pieces of paper and lines for music music notes and whatever telephone bill tell oh whatever he could get his hands on on. Mm -hmm. and he always wanted cadillac and i when i was little just just to give you a picture because we like to draw the pictures there's we live out in the middle of the country with a two-lane road and just across the street literally was where they started their business and built the buildings um i don't know 500 feet maybe but it was across a two-lane highway so grandpa got his car and um he would get up in the morning when he was ready to go to work and he would jump in the car and drive across the street and park it and walk in the building and then at lunch he would jump in the car drive across back to the house and go eat and take his nap and then he would do the same thing in the afternoon and that was his regimen the walking was not his thing he wanted to drive his car back and forth across the street but you know dad did the same 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 exact thing yeah but that's what you did because you went to and from work Mm -hmm. yep it's fun to think about those days yeah Albert E. Brumley would pass away in 1977, leaving a legacy of over 800 songs, all penned by his hand. But only one of them can claim the title as the most recorded gospel song in all of history, that song being I'll Fly Away. And its legacy isn't lost on the family. I I used to work for American Airlines because I wanted to travel, and Dad said he wasn't paying for it. And I've literally heard I'll Fly Away all over the world because Kevin and I heard it in Fiji on our honeymoon. But I was in Australia on a bus, and nobody has a clue who I am. And I'm on the way to this this um, cave thing. It's like 30 minutes outside town. And myself and my friend are the only Americans on the bus. Everybody else is Australian. 
and they're singing Waltzing Matilda, and we're like, that's kind of cool, blah, blah, blah. But the next song they sang was I'll Fly Away. Now, they, again, they had no clue who I was, or, and I didn't say anything. But it's like, it's so amazing to me, the impact of that song. It's been recorded in every country, in every language on the planet. We have a license for it. Until they keep, you know, getting new countries, and then we have to go back. But... <laughs> change the name keep changing the names <laughs> but um that song has has touched millions upon millions of people because the song is over 80 years old so it's been around long enough for generations of people to connect to it and sing to their grandchildren and their families at funerals at gatherings at sings and whatever and betsy's story in australia those things are motivational to keep it alive because it still does mean something mm-hmm. So whenever we can get it out there, like it was recently on a TV show and they sang it and I still got tears and I still got the chills and it's just still relevant. And Grandpa, as Betsy was saying, knew that was a factor in continuing things when it means something Mm -hmm. to the people. One of my favorite things is when people tell me their I'll Fly Away stories because everyone has one. I have literally hugged people in the grocery store. I've cried with them. I've cried with them in the hospitals. A lady, a friend of mine, used that as her wedding march, which I thought was really interesting because I'd never heard that before. But that song brings back memories for people um, of things that they may have forgotten about, Mm -hmm. but it like transports them to a place that that is so special and such a place in their heart that that nothing else can get them there. And the fact that they're willing to tell me that story, because it really happens to me almost daily that someone tells me a story. Same here. Yeah. I'm always hearing stories. So one of the ones that I have is that gentleman told us that he was in a car accident and he was being life flighted out and he was dying. He And he, he felt that he actually died. And he was singing I'll Fly Away to bring himself back so he would not die. So he sang that he sang himself back to life is what he was saying. He said, I, I just kept singing I'll fly away so I would not die. To know that that my name that as a person in this world represents something that that can literally change someone's life in a moment mm-hmm. is so huge. It's an honor mm-hmm. to be able to be connected to something like that. And it's just the people tell us those stories. I mean, I, I'm serious. I've cried with so many mm-hmm. strangers. I've had more people telling me those stories, especially in hospitals. I don't know how I end up in hospitals, but I tend to, well, I get hurt a lot. <laughs> I do, I get in the emergency room a lot. I don't know why I'm, I'm danger, danger prone or whatever, accident prone, whatever. But people tell me their stories. And, it, and I, I mean, I've just cried and cried with people. They've seen that to their, to their loved ones, mm-hmm. when they're older loved ones. I mean, we've done that in hospice. We've, we've brought people into hospice and to like the Chuck Wagon Gang, because we, we still, Lane was saying, work with them, brought them to hospice um, and people, and they sing off, fly away, and people have come out of their rooms. And it's like, the nurses were like, it's like they haven't walked in a week, but they've come out of their rooms to sing and participate and be near that song. It, it's amazing to me the power of the melody that Grandpa conjured up out of... <laughs> out of literally nowhere, out of a cotton field in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to move someone to, to where, as they are literally slowly passing away, they are, have the strength to get up and they want to be near that song. That's amazing to me. 
And a great job by Monty Montgomery on the production of that piece. A special thanks to Betsy and Elaine, the granddaughters of this great man, Albert E. Brumley. And a special thanks to Katrina Hine as well. And again, remember, he started as the son of sharecroppers in cotton fields in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma and walks his way to a new life and a life of art and music. And in the end, 40 million music books sold and the greatest and most recorded gospel song of all time that, as you could hear from the granddaughters, touched millions. We love telling these stories because it connects American history with the American present and everything in between. A special thanks to any granddaughter, any grandkid who wants to keep the story of their family alive. The Albert E. Brumley story here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.